Hello and welcome to the Gridcoin Fireside, your favorite podcast exploring how distributed ledger technology is going to change the scientific world. These live recordings take place every Thursday at 8pm EST right in the Gridcoin Discord server and everyone is welcome to join in the voice chat or the text chat. Other wonderful uses of this Discord server include finding help for the Gridcoin client or just boink in general helping set up your projects, find the right project for your hardware, set up your Boink Gridcoin relationship to maximize your magnitude, or maybe you want to join in the discussion in the library.science community, which is hosted here on the Gridcoin Discord as well. Library.science is a community that sponsors this Discord and helps post these podcasts on the library blockchain, which is a decentralized media hosting platform and is accessible by downloading desktop client or going to library.tv, lbry.tv. Now, if you are a long-time listener of the show, please pay attention because a couple things have changed. Meaning that if you are following us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you are going to have to change who you are following because you can now listen to this podcast on the website gridcoin.science. You can also find and follow the account Gridcoin Network on library.tv, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast hosting service. If we're not up there, PM me on Discord and we will get it up there. I am Jay Ringo. Join this week by the goblin popper say hello to the good people mr popper hello uh do you have a twitter by the way uh my twitter uh no no is okay no <laughs> no i definitely don't 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 look up my twitter <laughs> all right and uh delta is joining us this week as well say hello delta yeah hey so moving forward in this brand new year which is very exciting what is it it's 2020 it's a new decade too holy jeez how excite. Uh, we're going to be talking about some topics that we've talked about in the past in a new light. So we'll be discussing what Gridcoin is uh, as a concept and as a technology. We'll be introducing some cryptocurrency concepts. Uh, if you are new to cryptocurrency and you're just getting into it from the science world, this is where you want to be. You're welcome to come in and ask us questions. Uh, what is going on? What is Bitcoin? What is this blockchain? Or do you have to have a blockchain with a cryptocurrency? How is this stuff affecting science? Why do we even need to change the scientific system? All this stuff. We're here to explore how this brand new technology, which is kind of the combination of the printing press, the internet, and digital money, which really started in like 1970s. The combination of those three technologies into one, we're here to talk about how that's going to hopefully change the scientific system for the better. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, because we are super Gridcoin... Enthusiasts. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about some Gridcoin stuff. Uh, I've been away for a while, but I hear there is a new poll out. Uh, who wants to talk about the poll? Because I'm not up to date. Delta, I feel like you already talked about this over on the Boink Radio podcast. So can you break into QQTV yeah. a little So um, uh, there's a poll out at the moment. Uh, I don't think it's an official one, uh, but uh, it's a poll out asking whether we should whitelist the QCompedia project. Now, the QCompedia project is an amalgam is basically a big acronym and amalgamation of a whole bunch of words. It's Quantum Chemistry Encyclopedia. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to um, th this project aims to run quantum chemistry simulations, so simulating molecular interactions and chemistry on the really, really, really tiniest of scales using quantum mechanics, which occurs at the really, really tiny scales. And with that information and all their data processing and everything like that, they intend to make a huge encyclopedia 
um, in order to essentially give results for certain quantum chemistry stuff. Because currently in the industry, as they say, when some private research occurs, they run the processes, they run the simulations, do the tests, and then all the data that they did from the processing just goes to waste, pretty much. They, they don't share it, it remains proprietary. And what this project does is it wants to compute all that data, but make it open for everyone. And so here's the poll that's asking whether we should whitelist. And uh, important note, this is a virtual box um, Boink project. So if you want to crunch this um, project, you will have to get, you have to load up VirtualBox and your own little Boink VirtualBox system. Awesome. So this poll goes till when? I haven't loaded it up even. Uh, it expires on January the 14th. All right. So as is standard, I think, I haven't even checked if it follows the protocols we put out before. Hello, friendly third man here. After checking, this poll does not follow any of the parameters for whitelisting polls. As such, it is not valid and its result will not matter. You can still vote in it if you want. It can be considered an opinion poll for any future poll that is made that does follow the parameters and every step that is set out in the poll definitions and parameters that were approved by the network all those months ago. I will provide a link to this into this in the description below if you are not up to date on what is required for a whitelisting poll. Uh, that's it for me, so enjoy the rest of the show. Uh, vote until the end of the poll and i'm assuming it's a three-week poll so that would be the 14th so that means it's already been going for a week uh and if it gets whitelisted it gets whitelisted and then you can get that sweet sweet grc for your crunching contributions to this pretty interesting project uh doing some pretty cool stuff with open uh so yeah so that's this is an interesting project and for anyone listening to this who is not already in boink and also does not even know what that word means let's use that to introduce gridcoin a little bit so Boink just stands for Berkeley Open Infrastructure for Network Computing. It's a giant supercomputer at its base form, like base description. It's a giant supercomputer made up of thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of volunteers that just donate their uh, their spare processing power, but be it a phone, a computer, an iPad, um, Raspberry, Pi. Raspberry Pi. Oh man. Pi, Pi Grid on Reddit was pretty cool. Uh, Don't you mock Pi. my setup. <laughs> it's all I have. Whatever it is, they're throwing computing power at these really awesome projects that utilize this infrastructure called Boink to link them all together and do really cool data, data analytic tasks and often computational science tasks. There's also math on there. There's been some cryptography tasks on there. There's some pretty interesting... Uh, like sensor projects involving earthquakes and uh, I forget at this point is the 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 radiation one an actual project or is that just like a dream project of yours, Neld? No, it is an actual project, and but in the only problem is in order to participate in it, you have to purchase a Gaia account. Right, so they're they're doing all this stuff, and with the earthquake, Wait. no, the earthquake one you can just use your phone. You're like, hold on, that but the earthquake one's been decommissioned. <laughs> hmm. Hold on, that radiation one. What what do I have to buy? How much is a Geiger a Geiger counter? counter? Um, no, no, they like, sell I, them. I've seen movies, so I know what it is. But like, how much yeah, is so a Geiger counter? I think on their site, they usually um, have they have their own manufacturer, and when they when they get uh, enough manufactured, they do a forum post and say, "Yo, who wants to buy these? They're really popular. I think they sell for about fifty US dollars each, if I'm not mistaken." But uh, yeah, if you buy one of them, you can join Radioactive at home. 
Geiger counter being one of the things that beeps when you're near radiation, essentially measures radiation in the, the surrounding area uh, of the... And the they game. use it to make a big global map of where radiation is. Right, and it's a map not by like some uh, university-funded or, or entity-funded group of scientists going to all these different places, measuring the radiation and then reporting, and then getting on an airplane and going to another place and measuring the radiation and then recording. It's all these just normal people, essentially, just getting these Geiger counters and hooking them up to this Boink project and reporting the radiation, and that makes the giant map. So you have... Uh, a side effect of this Boink network, which at its core is a giant supercomputer doing awesome data analytic, data analytic tasks. Uh, the side effect is you have all these people participating in the scientific process. So uh, it brings them in, it educates them, it uh, encourages science communication from the scientists themselves, because the more people that the scientists or the researchers can get to crunch their project, the faster their research gets done. And that's that's their desires to get the research done and then the people generally um based on like loose studies they very much enjoy just participating and making a difference uh so these projects a lot of them uh are like protein folding or medical discovery so they're working on cures for cancer cures for zika uh world community grid a very big project run from ibm as their corporate outreach uh project uh, just finished up a huge Zika project and they have some papers coming. Uh, so people who have family members affected by some uh, disease out there, some cancer, uh, get to feel like they are really contributing to the fight against this disease that affects them personally. And some people get really into it. And it's amazing to see because it is so affecting. Uh, so that that's really Boink in a nutshell. And there's, there's tons of projects. There's math and everything. Everything and magic. So I just mentioned World Community Grid, which is this um, IBM project. And IBM, you probably know what IBM is, dear listener. But <laughs> there are also projects run out of people's closets, and particularly math projects. Uh, there's a lot of projects that do uh, prime numbers um, and like Colette's conjectures and just simple algorithmic like problems. You just throw in numbers and crunch them and figure out what the output is. Uh, and you can run, anyone can set this up. It's relatively, it's, it's essentially free if you know what you're doing. If you want to do a huge project, you're going to have to, you know, set it up. If you're an institution, you'll figure it out. Uh, and they're trying to make it better. It's an open source project that's developing over time. Uh, but the fact that anyone can set up these projects is pretty, pretty cool. Uh, I think there's 30 some odd right now. And like we just mentioned at the beginning here with this Gridcoin poll, there's more common all the time. Qcompedia. I think there's another one that we mentioned a long time ago that we're waiting for because we want to whitelist it. Uh, they pop up and they go away. All the uh, Yeah, so back to Qcompedia here. Does anyone have any thoughts on this project and whether or not it should be whitelisted? And we'll explain whitelisting if no one has any thoughts on the project. Uh, I think it's probably a little bit too early to think about whitelisting. Like, I mean, think what happened to DHEP. It was running for a little bit and then it was running very well and then suddenly, uh-oh, no more funding. So um, I think we should probably wait to see how well it develops. I think it needs a little bit more of a user base first and then we might, uh, and then I think we should probably um, think about whitelisting. I think that's a really good point. Something like just in a general sense, like let a project run for a bit to see if it functions, <laughs> see if it's really, if it's put together and consistent itself before you throw uh, grid, the grid coin portion of the point network at it. 
because there is nothing wrong with what it's doing and what it's doing is actually a really core component of research and science but i just think it needs to flesh itself out just a little bit more because it is still pretty new i agree uh i would love to hear if anyone has a different opinion on that uh does anyone know about the work units and uh on like a technical level like uh is it going to be fair in terms of distribution and uh or or is it going to be something like uh not or in terms of distribution and fairness, but like something like one of those projects that you can't really whitelist, you can't really reward for because of the way it's set up. Um, I, uh, if if no one wants to put a uh, opinion on that, I do have some interesting information about the software that they use. Oh yeah, totally. Go for it. Yeah. So what they have is they have two different types of software. They have a proprietary one and they have a open source one. Uh, I think the open source one is called NWChem, if I remember correctly, or something along those lines. And then they also have a proprietary one on their own servers for a different purpose. So what your computer gets delivered is the application with NWChem, and that runs the quantum simulations and all that funky stuff and all the science. But on their servers, they have a proprietary um, software that they've purchased, which does the whole process about 10 times faster. Now, the reason why they have that is because, well, the only way you can do it on Boink is to have that open source software be distributed because you can't distribute the proprietary one. But the reason why they have the proprietary one is for when they get those candidates. So when you put in some you put in some sort of quantum molecule or something like that and it runs the quantum processes and, well, hold on, this thing looks really interesting. It looks like it might actually solve something. When they get a result like that, they'll pass it through the proprietary program and run all the simulations on that to get a much more specific and more accurate result from it. Okay. So in terms of whitelisting, that sounds fine to me. Uh, granted, I don't know too much about that when we get into the details. Uh, it's it is a little bit disappointing to see that they can't that 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 we as scientists and humans and crunchers and volunteers can't have that proprietary software that's even faster to do all these processes on a huge scale. It's just it, honestly, I just think it's really disappointing. But at the same time, that's like uh, let's use the Zika project that just finished. Uh, like you know, we as crunchers do a lot of the just like grunt work and get you know, narrow some crazy number of possible protein combinations down to what was it, it was 20 some odd non-toxic uh, possible combinations. And then, you know, they're going to take those results and go to a lab and then do private lab testing with them to really figure out what's going on and do it. So to, to me, it sounds like, at least for now, like that's sort of a good analogy. Like, yeah, we're going to do a lot of the grunt work and then they're going to take our results and go do something in the lab but their lab is just a different computer with proprietary software, which is pretty valuable. Um, I guess you can pull that analogy through, but at the end of the day, it is software that essentially does practically the same thing, except on a more accurate level. And the disappointment for me comes from the fact that they, the, the people that created that license didn't want to share it with other people simply because they want to capitalize on it. This brings in um, a great topic on... Uh, how it ties into a great topic on how blockchain might uh, sort of affect the scientific system moving in the future. So with the two examples, uh, with Qcompedia and with the Zika project, the idea that all of the, and, and 
merging that in with the idea that Boink is a giant distributed computer where there's thousands of people contributing small amounts of uh, computational power to get these uh, results. And then these results can translate into very marketable products that make a lot of money. So if we continue down this path, which it seems like you know, grid computing and distributing computing has only been growing since it became a thing. Uh, so it seems like we're going to. Then how... How can we rationalize asking people to volunteer the computing power, which is actually a cost to the cruncher, uh, and and then taking that volunteer work or negative work for the cruncher and then making buttloads of money off of it? So with a blockchain, we think at least, because again, this is or not again, I guess for the first time, I'm going to say this is very experimental technology. We're still developing as a large uh, cryptocurrency network. Uh, we We think we might be able to take this contribution and uh be able to track it and then if there is a profit to be made at the end go at the end you know maybe some of that trickles down to the cruncher uh so you know electric costs covered and maybe even you make a little money so you're incentivized to continue uh using your old hardware to instead of just throwing it in the dump uh to solve really important problems for uh society uh because at the end of the day, Delta, I do see what you're saying. And I sort of feel the same way about the other scientific projects. It's like, man, I, I just spent like probably at least tens of dollars on electricity to crunch this project. And then, mm-hmm. now they might go make some really profitable thing for it. So that's just, uh, does anyone else have any thoughts on what Delta has been saying about uh, Qcompedia before I sort of talk about blockchain as a, as a concept? Okay, so uh, that sort of cryptographic uh, being able to, to track someone's contributions through cryptography, using cryptography and a digital system and all this stuff. This is a, an idea that people have been developing for many, many, many decades uh, because the alternative system is uh, what I guess we would call or what some people call a trust-based model. And that means that when I do something, someone else keeps track of what I do and everyone else who wants to know what I do trusts that third party to tell them what I have done. So uh, you can think of this as like a bookie, uh, as a bookie at a racetrack, keeping track of everyone's bets. They're keeping a ledger. Uh, So if I bet $5 on a horse, that bookie knows I can't change my bet. That bookie is holding the bet. Everyone is trusting that bookie not to change the bet Uh, and then operates by talking to that same bookie. but if we're able to get rid of the right uh, Sharknado, I'm going to call you Sharknado, man. I can never say your name. It's upside down. Uh, he's saying the bookie is a counterparty. The blockchain is not. Yeah. So we're trying to bring trust, merge trust and technology. So if we can have a system where I bet $5 and I don't need to have a bookie maintain a ledger, I don't need no one needs the bookie to maintain a ledger. Everyone just knows that I bet $5. That would be awesome. That would just increase efficiency across the board in almost every industry. Some industries wouldn't even need to exist anymore in the form that they exist right now. They would probably still exist, but they would have to shift their business model. Um, and so what What uh, we were just talking about there in terms of keeping track of how much contribution you, you use that, with, you use cryptography to do that. Uh, and Maybe we can figure out how to do it. Who knows? No one's done it yet. Uh, but this blockchain tech is as it, it's pretty cool. It will probably enable us to do it. 
Uh, and if we can do it with that, we can do it with a lot of other stuff. Uh, think of all the trust systems, the trust entities that exist in the scientific system. Publishing houses are a form of a trust-based entity. Uh, funding, a, a lot of funding comes from trust entities. You have to go and prove to this entity that your science is worthy of funding. And then everyone else gives money to that entity and trusts that they'll distribute it uh, appropriately. Uh, accreditation in terms of being told you're an expert in something. We trust these higher education systems to do everything properly. And in talking about the CIS in this stuff, we have to be sure to clarify that no one is saying that the current system is doing things entirely wrong. They're, they're not necessarily all corrupt or, or bad or the system is horrible. While some people might think that, a lot of people think that's an extreme view, but the the general concept is there might be a better way to do things. So if there might be a better way to do things, why not explore that possibility? And maybe we'll come up with a really cool system in the process. Uh, what else? Institutions, uh, higher level institutions. Uh, yeah, that's, that's enough examples for now. If, if you're in the field, if you're in science, if you're in research, if you're in academics, just think about it for about 10 minutes and you'll come up with a list of trust-based entities. Uh, there might be a couple coming in in the chat here. But the things you could do without having to have these third parties, I, again, just in terms of efficiency, we're not even touching on the currency aspect. Uh, if you're just using a blockchain, uh, efficiency, transparency, uh, those two in particular would be awesome. Uh, and then if you tie, because we have cryptography uh, and, and like cr uh, cryptography assures everyone using these networks that the things in the ledger are true, we can create currency with these um, with these ledgers, with these networks, these blockchain networks. Because at the end of the day, the largest trust-based entity, I think at least, is the printing press for dollar bills. So if we don't need that that entity to print the dollars, if we can have a, a open source protocol print the dollars, and you know thousands of people are looking over their shoulders and making sure that the code is running correctly, and no one is really trying to hijack the code, so there's just no single point of failure there. And then you, we won't get into the actual like how the network works in terms of the ledger, but if you can add currency to this, you can incentivize people. You can start incentivizing people. So when you think about the scientific system. How do those incentives work? Do they work well? Do they work as good as they could be? And I trust that no one's going to say this is the best we're ever going to come up with. Because uh, So if you start tweaking with incentives, how could you change it? What would be better? What if you did X? What if you did Y? And uh, I know, I mean, there's a bunch of scientific people in the Gridcoin community. Uh, there's a bunch of scientific people all over, all over the place who are talking about how bad the incentive system in the scientific uh, or the incentive structure inside the scientific system is in terms of just being told to publish, 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 get cited, uh, create a translation project. Uh, you want a product to sell, uh, but mostly the publish, publish, publish thing. Uh, so what if you could change that? And then at the same time, you're changing it. You're creating a currency that goes directly from the printing press to the scientist instead of from the printing press to the bank, to the bank, to the other bank, to like some insurance company, then back to a bank, and then to a school, and then to a scientist. Like that is that's just a lot of inefficiency of money getting to someone where we think they'll probably use the money for the right thing. Why does they have to go through all those banks? Why not just give money directly from the printing press to a scientist and they eject it into the economy, 
And then the final thought here is that Gridcoin is working on this stuff, is the, the science stuff. How does blockchain affect science? But the whole crypto uh, network is huge. There are thousands of these networks working in different directions, many different fires working under one hearth, trying to get things to operate better, make a better world. So while we might be working on that science path of getting currency to scientists and uh, smoothing out the scientific system, getting it into the digital world based on cryptography. There are other people who are working on uh, media hosting. Uh, Bitcoin itself is just working on, uh, I think at least, uh, just money transfer, transferring uh, value across the world. Uh, what are some other ones? You know, there's thousands you get over overloaded. I can't think of any off the top of my head. But they're working at all different sectors of just the, the global economy, trying to change the way economics works. So there's going to be hundreds. Okay, let's start small. There's going to be dozens or hundreds or maybe even thousands of different currencies working under different models, uh, trying to make uh, get currency to different places and incentivize people to do different things. So it's, it, it, it's similar to how nations work in terms of their currency, except very, very different. <laughs> That's a horrible way to describe it. Uh, anyone else want to give a shot at that currency part? I've been talking for a minute here, but the um, I wanted to pick one of uh, the things that you said earlier about trust. Um, when we talk about um, blockchain being trustless, the reason why we want that is not because centralized systems are corrupt and can't be trusted. It's because um, centralized systems have the possibility to be corrupted and have the possibility to lose trust. And having and having decentralized systems and blockchains eliminates that possibility. So we can have utmost trust that we don't need to have trust. Right, and that trust is so important. And in the scientific world, people should understand this. The When you think about people who reject vaccines or flat earthers, a lot of the arguments come from people not trusting the entities that are telling them vaccines are safe, the world is round. So if you eliminate that that possibility, if someone came at you with that argument like, uh, I don't trust NASA and all the, all the images that they put out, if you were able to say to them, well, it's impossible for you not to trust them because they're, it's a trustless system, uh, everything is entirely transparent, they wouldn't have that argument. They'd have to come up with a different one. So it, it's a similar concept across the board, getting rid of a uh, trust-based system. Oh, Sharknado brings in a great, great comment here. He says, blockchain is by semi-centralized by those who develop it. Excellent point. That has to do with open source in general. So most of these blockchains, if you are going to continue on your journey into the cryptocurrency blockchain world, which I highly suggest you do because it's just fascinating in general and you're going to meet a lot of interesting people, uh, the uh, the way open source works is that someone writes code and puts it out for anyone to read, take, manipulate, fit their needs, do whatever whatever they want with it. Uh, and there are two types of blockchains. Probably there will probably be more in the future uh, in terms of how the the model works in terms of editing the code. But there's a permissioned block blockchain and a permissionless blockchain. And for this show in particular, and for most of the people in the crypto environment so far. Permissionless blockchains are the only ones that really matter because a permissioned blockchain is one where the source code is closed off. You can't read what's happening. You can think about YouTube's algorithm that uh, is used to give you recommended viewing videos. Do you know how that works? Like, Could you even find out how that works if you wanted to? 
that's a closed proprietary system. With open source systems, you would be able to, you might not know right off the bat how that algorithm works, but if you wanted to, you could go and find out how that works by reading the code. Like, And if you can't read the code, there would be thousands of people, ideally, who can read the code and you could go post on a forum somewhere or on a Discord server, this great Gridcoin Discord server, for example, and say, hey, does this code do what it's supposed to do? And then you'd get a bunch of responses and it would be up to you to vet the reputation of the people responding and decide to believe these people or not. But at the end of the day, you'd have thousands of people, again, in an ideal open source system, giving you an answer. And most likely, when you take all that data and combine it, you'll get the right answer. Like, yes, it's doing what it says it's doing or no. And then if you really, really, really wanted to vet it, you would learn how to read code and go look at the actual code yourself. That opportunity exists in open source. So with these permissionless blockchains, it's the exact same way. At the end of the day, they are economic models. And there's a lot involved with the, there's a lot of intricacies intricacies involved with how they work. Uh, but if you think about them in economic models and in contemporary terms, they have like inflation rates and they have distribution rates and where they where they go, where the distribution goes. and there's uh, blockchain specific variables that change or can change based on the code. Uh, and who whoever gets to write the code has the power. So Bitcoin is an example of a network that doesn't change quickly because there's lots of people building on it. And you're not just going to go in and change this multi-billion dollar network at a whim, right? You're going to have to get a lot, you're going to convince a lot of people that your new code is better than the old code. There are then Gridcoin is a great example of the opposite. We're a fairly small community. We have some brilliant developers. We're working some on some really interesting stuff. And when they come up with a change, um, well, we also have a unique voting mechanism that helps us maintain a cohesive network as we develop changes. But when they those these coders, these developers come up with a change and they implement it. Uh, for the most part, the, the network just goes with them. But ultimately, these coders, these developers have the power. Whatever they put into that code is the ultimate decision of the network. Uh, and if you have a, a bad developer who manages to sneak in some nasty stuff, well, that's a possibility. But again, if you have open source system where you have lots of people vetting uh, the code as it gets put in, the likelihood of that is reduced as the... Uh, network of developers increases. So Sharknado uses an example here of Ethereum where there was a poorly written smart contract which uh, locked up a whole bunch of money back in 2016-ish. And that uh, that sucked. (laughs) They had to do some stuff that a lot of people who believe in blockchain tech do not necessarily agree with in order to fix that bug. Uh, But the network was very small then. The black Bitcoin network is still very small. He brings up another example of a block stream holding Bitcoin hostage. So one way to develop open source software is to get a lot of different nonprofits or a lot of different institutions uh, hiring people to work on the code. And uh, if you only have one or two uh, institutions or nonprofits or what have you working on the code, well, paying people to work on the code then they get to really decide which direction the code goes. The end goal of blockchain and cryptocurrency, as I understand it, is you create an economic model where people are incentivized to develop the code without having to be hired by a nonprofit uh, through maybe some protocol-defined 
uh, um, like treasury or distribution system based on developments and uh, consensus across a wide network. <laughs> so that is a really good point, Sharknado, on how developers really have the final say in how this stuff works and uh, how important free and open source software and the organizational models that the FOSS people over the past several decades, uh, how that organization, organizational model, how important it is. Uh, and as we can and, and as we continue to develop blockchain and cryptocurrency, there are dozens of different organizations and different networks experimenting with this economic model and how to fund development moving forward. So you don't you might have these nonprofits, you might have these institutions working to develop on these networks, but they're not the only way you could do it. You could be a freelance uh, developer. And just decide that you want to develop for this network. Maybe you want to develop for Gridcoin because you love science. You can code. You understand all these Boink projects. And you're like, I want to help with these guys. I don't need to be paid for. Or I don't need to be uh, yeah, paid by a institution. I can get paid straight from the protocol for my work, which will get adopted by the protocol. Uh, or you could go and work for an organization that has a specific agenda in mind and wants to push a development out. The idea is you are free to choose. You are not forced to go down any specific path. That is uh, liberating, to say the least. Quite a ramble. Any thoughts on anything? Um, I guess I will just add that um, anyone who doesn't necessarily have a background in open source or works with open source, I recommend taking a look at not just uh, how some software is developed, like you know, a GitHub repository or something like that, but like real open source corporate level um, highly intricate software is developed because it, it's very interesting the setup that a lot of them have um, boards of people that have to review code before it's submitted to uh, to repositories and things are requested or can be requested by dedicated developers as opposed to people just you know outside just submitting things. So, I mean, the open source community is not just some crazy group of people throwing together spaghetti code right it's um and so if you have if you don't have any background in it i, I highly recommend uh looking into it and the structure it is because it's it's it gets pretty amazing how uh how a bunch of strangers can work together the way that the open source community does definitely and when you get into well first i mean boink is like just starting to get to that level of high level there's a pmc there's a there's meetings there's they're starting to get their open source organization together. A, a great example of what uh, Chocolate... Wow, sorry. <laughs> Goblin Popper is talking about here. Uh, is this company called Home Advisor. Company or software? I don't know what to call them because they're an open source organization. Uh, and they develop the software that is like it runs your smart home. So it's essentially the same thing as uh, Google Home or Alexa. And it's open source so everyone can read the code and you can see what it's doing with your data. And because it's open source and because of the principles of open source, a lot of people don't really like the idea of giving your data to someone to sell. So it doesn't even collect your data as far as I understand. Uh, but it is a really nicely put together product. Uh, it's marketable. Uh, it is, it, it's smooth, right? It, it feels like a, uh, a product from a mid-tier company. I mean, it's of course not gonna be as smooth as like Amazon or Google who have unlimited money to develop the UX of this stuff. But you'll see that these organizations, as they grow, as they grow past just like base level code, getting a, a product working and out there, that they need marketers, they need UX, they need just 
designers, like graphics designers, uh, they need communicators, they need everyone. Everyone that would work for a business can work with an open source organization. And there are some funding models out there. I mean, Linux is the huge one on how uh, you can just look for the largest open source organization out there. Linux is funded essentially by giant corporations who use the Linux software. Uh, Spark, like uh, what is Apache, right? Yeah, all all these smooth smooth companies, these smooth entities, exactly what Goblin's saying, man. When you get up there, it's not just like a bunch of dudes in a shed working together to put spaghetti together. Uh, it can get fairly professional. And you can take this stuff and if you want to, move to an actual company who will pay you in a standard 9-to-5 job sort of thing. Or, you know, there are some funding models out there. And then there's this blockchain funding model, which is under development, I think, as people try to figure out how to get the currency from the protocol to the developer in the smoothest way with consensus and all that stuff. So building that is pretty fascinating. Uh, and if that is the sort of stuff you're into, if you get into blockchain now, that is kind of uh, the level it's at. Uh, you could contribute pretty heavily to that uh, sector. Uh, what was the example you said? Apache? Isn't that a, a computing thing? To- uh, Apache has Hadoop, if that's what you're referring to, but Apache has Spark. I mean, Apache has web servers. It's all, yeah. Um, but there's there's an Apache model similar to the Linux model. Yeah, It's a big old world out there. Uh, yeah, I will say this, though. Apache tends to be one of those open source platforms that most corporations take the base code for because they, they deal a lot of functionality. So a lot of people take the base code for and then sweeten it up like beyond compare and then and then sell it as like their own product. So um, it happens a lot. Could you use the base stuff? Yeah, but they don't really worry about UIs or anything because most companies just want the base functionality already finished. So Interesting, interesting. Uh, like Apple, I mean, IBM does it a ton. IBM is all has a lot of developers in Apache, um, like helping develop things like Apache. I'm sorry, I went out there. But so actually, the, the Apache project style um, isn't just some open source. The way it actually works is like they, and I might be butchering this, so so I apologize for anyone who who knows it very well. And I, if I misspeak, but but uh, they 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 work on kind of like an incubation style of like you say what kind of project you want to do, do it, or like the projects start getting developed. And then they, they go based off of how much traction the, the project starts getting, how much development it starts getting, whether or not they think it's a like an MVP, a minimal viable product or not. Um, so there's incubation, and then it eventually graduates to like software level. And there's some things that when it's even it's in incubation stages where it's still very core basal, basic functionality, still gets a massive cult following. Um, things like uh, Kafka, uh, if anyone's heard of that one, um, Hadoop was pretty vetted out and all that. But uh, but yeah, it's like th- things like things like Kafka. Like it was in an incubation phase when people started developing with it. Like like IBM was straight up putting it into products, and it was not even considered a real software product yet. So um, it's a, it's a it's a very interesting model. I'm not sure how that compares to the Linux model though. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So with these last 10, 15 minutes here, uh, let's bring it back to Gridcoin. <laughs> So if we're building all this really cool stuff and uh, we're in this giant crypto network working on our own little thing here at Gridcoin, and as a little teaser for next episode, which we'll, we'll dive into Gridcoin a little more, uh, this has sort of been an introduction to crypto in general. Um, yeah, what, what are we doing here? Why are we here? Why is there a chat room with like a dozen, half a dozen people just hanging out, 
talking about nonsense is this strange magical digital crypto money and, and this, this new ledger system that's like what no one's in control what's going on why why are we even here open question oh oh is it was okay i thought it was rhetorical <laughs> i don't know man i don't know why i'm here i don't know why i'm anywhere ever. uh yeah i mean say the question again why are we here what is gridcoin doing like gridcoin is bringing us together Oh, f that! No, uh, <laughs> no. I mean, uh, I, I realistically, I mean, especially for all the new people listening, right? It's Bitcoin is unlike most cryptos where people are passionate about day trading or make money or uh, things like that. I mean, Bitcoin uh, is more about being in a place where you can be passionate about science, but have no other way to help other than having some resource power relying around your house. Right, because at the root, Gridcoin is built on top of Boink. Uh, well, at the true root, we're built on top of Bitcoin. But uh, after the, that blockchain part, we're built on top of Boink, where our cryptocurrency, GRC, is distributed to people who contribute to this network that we talked about in the beginning, this Boink network. Uh, and as you contribute, you get a little money back. So we also mentioned earlier how contributing to these projects actually costs the volunteer money because they have to pay to run this stuff. And people still do it uh, to the extreme. Oh, man, one of our core devs uh, has been doing it since Boink came out, since before Boink. Uh, and you should see the number of credits he has. It's insane. Um, and it's for the vast majority of that time, it has been uh, without any profit except for that good feeling you get in your stomach when you do something good and you contribute to science. And it was like passion. It's a passion project because a lot of us really love science. So Gridcoin says, well, at the bare minimum, we have this essentially central bank that prints money based on a protocol uh, that's a decentralized ledger. And we can give that money to the people who crunch directly from the central bank and reimburse them for the electrical costs for their work. Uh, awesome. Maybe that will encourage people to buy more rigs or find more old hardware and hook it up to this network and build a giant network. And then a big thing is maintain their hardware contribution to the network because Boink has a problem of drop-off where people get really excited about a project, start the start crunching, and then after like a couple weeks to a month, you know, they shut off their computer and they forgot to, and they turn it back on and they forget to turn Boink back on because they've lost interest. Well, maybe if there's that monetary incentive along with some other things like engagement and whatnot developed, at the boink level and then with this in cryptocurrency incentive built on top of it as another layer maybe people will keep crunching uh for a longer period of time which means more computation power which means uh more science gets done which means more results which means more marketing which means more people notice boink which means more people contribute to the network which means the loop starts to feed back on itself and maybe create a very, very, very large distributed network based on scientific education and contribution, working together to do science, bringing people into the academic process, uh, giving them credit when papers are published, all this stuff that really just increases scientific literacy across the board while also creating translatable products and basic science like math problems and, and everything. So uh, Sharknado asks, but does Gridcoin hinder people volunteering their computer power, computing power, because they think they can profit from it? Uh, anyone else want to answer that before I give it? A I'm 
I'm confused. Uh, I'm confused by the question. Why would it hinder people to, to, to volunteer computer power? So there's a lot of people who believe in altruism to the extreme. And it's like, I'm not going to volunteer because people profit from it. Is that what you're getting from? Getting to Shark, uh, Sharknado? I really hope you like that I'm calling you Sharknado because your name has nothing to uh, do with Sharknado. So for those yeah. people, go ahead, Goblin. Well, I was going to say, so the reality is that all open source software can be profited from. And, and this is probably going to be a very different answer than what Jay Ringo is going to give. So I, I'd, I'd also like to have him go right after me. Um, but the reality is, I mean, I, I work in IT um, and I'll do support stuff and I'll do, I'll do, no, I, uh, you cut out. Gosh darn it. I don't know why I hold it down. Um, so yeah, so I, I work in IT and I do general support stuff. I'll do, I'll do not development, but I'll do similar stuff. And the reality is that I, I've on a number of occasions sat around and said, gosh, I don't know how to do this or I, it's going to take me too much time to figure this out. And I found open source software online that helps me get it done. Right. I mean, notepad plus plus or like is a really simple example of like some free stuff um that everyone uses um there's there's other things for like other tools you can use for like uh folder and file comparison and such anyway the po the point is is the, the point of this is all open source software can in some way be used to profit i use it in my job to for for me to make more money right i you don't i'm not uh profiting off it directly but i'm technically using it um to increase my my the cost that I can I can charge someone for my time because I'm being more efficient. Um, that being said, I, I I think not doing something charitable over the fear that someone will abuse the charity shouldn't necessarily mean that we should stop being charitable in, in a certain way because it's not being stolen by that group. It's just being um, it's just being they're, they're making a profit on it. It doesn't mean that someone else behind them can't take it and use it for free. That it's actually being marketed towards. Right. So, I mean, if it was, if, if our copy of what we made was limited, I'd worry about it, but it's not the data points we create, the things that we, that we generate through our, our processing power is not a limited resource. Like uh, the copies that we make are not limited in any way. Right. Does, is, does that make sense? That was, that yeah, was probably I, not the best explanation or word. Are you I talking about the about. code? Um, just in general. I mean, like uh, just in, I'm, right now I'm actually just referring to your computing power, like the, like open source in, in itself, anything. Right. I'm saying just anything produced by open source technology is technically profitable, right? It's, anything can be sellable. Yeah, and building all the models on top of it, all the, the services on top of an open source software is great. It's a great ecosystem. Why not? Uh, Sharknado adds, I was thinking uh, more about Gridcoin targeting the cryptocurrency demographic as a whole and why it isn't as popular as others. So the cryptocurrencies, I, I think there are a few answers to your initial question. The cryptocurrency space is still very, very young. Uh, so it, there's a select number of people in it, really. It's just tiny. It's a tiny space. So I don't think we can really draw much from that, uh, from, from saying, why aren't we like cryptocurrency A, B, C, or D? There's just, why aren't we like Bitcoin? It's like asking that question, no matter who we ask it about. Or you ask it, why aren't we like other really micro cap, any other micro cap? Uh, but yeah, the, uh, the, I think your initial question, does it hinder people volunteering their computing power because they think they can profit from it? Uh, I think the two ways to look at it, um, there are two ways to look at it. First being like, well, does it? 
and I don't think it does. You can see there are two major cryptocurrency boink teams out there, and they are both major crunchers. There's Gridcoin and there's Obite. And uh, Obite, uh, who is Terrence Lee, brought this up before. Obite is a bit more profitable to crunch uh, on World Community Grid than Gridcoin because of the two different systems. And it has to do with the Gridcoin whitelist, but we didn't really get there uh, to, to describe that. But Obite being more profitable on World Community Grid means that more people crunch Obite on World Community Grid. So more people crunch Obite when compared to as the Obite team than the Gridcoin team. So that to me, you can draw that, all right, the more money I can make, I, I will go to where I can make more money. And then you continue that sort of train of thought to a larger population. And I think you it's very hard to defend the idea that altruism is widespread, just pure altruism. I would argue that basic profit, not extreme greed, but just like the basic idea of getting people into it uh, by giving them a little money is pretty standard. That's the general population. Uh, and to what Delta's saying right here, where he says one reason could be that science doesn't speculate, I don't agree with that. Science speculates all the time. Some of the biggest projects are just giant speculations. You're just like, oh, this might be a cure. They just, like, there were, I read an article the other day about, like, some cure for Alzheimer's or vaccine for Alzheimer's, and the vaccine gets rid of the two plaques that are loosely associated with Alzheimer's. And it's like, the plaques might not be the cause of Alzheimer's, but maybe they are, maybe they're a result of Alzheimer's, but we're going to spend a buttload of money to uh, speculate, basically on a speculation that they're the cure. We're going to spend a buttload of money to make this vaccine and put it into human trials. Entirely speculation. And science is full of So, <laughs> still distressing hypothesis. I agree. I'm shooting it down right off the bat. But that first, that first view I'm talking about, where it's like, okay, maybe this, this greed aspect is turning a lot of people off. I think you're, there is more to be gained by getting, uh, by incentivizing people to crunch these Boeing projects than there is to be lost by the true altruists, the extremists. Uh, so to me, that says, go for the incentivization. And then at the second level, the second point is that this is more than just incentivizing crunching. There is a lot more going on here. Uh, this is about building a new type of currency system where there's money. I sort of touched on it a little more. Money is getting printed by a protocol and moving directly to a, a scientist or someone who cares about science enough to contribute contribution power. And maybe they're a, a very greedy person, but you have both. It's not just going to the very greedy person every time. You can It, it distributes money across a wide array of people versus just to a bank. And then you can bring institutions into that. You can have your university hook up their computer lab to the Boink network and get some money for it. That incentivizes a lot of computation power to come into the network because universities have to make money or they go under. You can incentivize giant uh, server farms who uh, have uh, spare space or spare computation power to donate that spare power to the Boink network until it is bought by some company for a higher price than what they are making from the Gridcoin network. So it, it brings competition into it. Uh, and and there's, there's just a lot of different levels about what we are doing here than just like, is it good to incentivize people and does it hurt the volunteer aspect to it? Uh, I, I personally do not like that argument because of 
the many different layers we are operating on, how complex this system is that we're building. And then the other stuff you're talking about is more about markets. And that I don't think we're going to get into today because we're near the end. Uh, but the idea of market makers, the idea of sophisticated trading techniques, yes, maybe you need those, maybe you don't. That's an argument going on in the giant crypto, the entire cryptosphere right now. Uh, what is it? like? I think Ripple, which is another big cryptocurrency, just said they're going to crack down on uh, fake trading volume, or essentially wash trading. And then other cryptocurrencies are like starting to hire companies that act as market makers. Yeah, I might agree with your opinion, but that's still what they said. They're a major currency, and they're, they're going to crack down on this false, this fake trading. And then other currencies are like, we're going to go out and hire companies to be market makers for us. And market makers are a so-called legit, sophisticated trading technique that is used in money markets and stock markets. And all this. That part of the markets is very, I don't know. Let's not get into it. Let's focus on the science part. <laughs> but the point here is that the cryptocurrency sphere at large is bringing in a bunch of um, it, it's bringing a bunch of industries into the digital age, into an age where you don't into a um, a model that does not rely on trust, does not rely on third party trust. We're moving beyond the trust based model into the cryptographic cryptographically secured model, one that's been talked about for many many decades, and people have been working towards for a very very long time. So. If we're going that way, and it really, really does look like we're going that way with a lot of industries, how is that going to affect science? What can we use cryptography and this new way to uh, secure data, secure a ledger, maintain data? How can we use these new tools to make a better system for science? Uh, A lot of it is thinking ahead. So if these current systems that are trust-based do fail, we have an alternative to go by. And even if the current ones don't fail, there's competition between the two systems trying to draw out the better way to do things, the more efficient way, the more equitable way, the more transparent way, the way that affects more people and improves their lives. And we at Gridcoin think that we might be onto something with incentivizing people to go to Boink and then building on top of those ways to change the way the scientific system works, maybe changing the way the publishing system works or the the peer review system, um, a, a lot of different structures in the scientific systems. Uh, (laughs) If this is something you are interested in, come join us. We get together every Thursday at 8 p.m. EST for these recordings. Other than that, we're a fairly active community with people from all walks of life. Uh, Goblin, you just said you're in IT. I do a lot of business work. Delta is a student, uh, or I don't even know what you are, Delta, yourself. Uh, (laughs) We don't even know uh, what you are anymore. He's a colorful fox. We have um, developers who work at high levels of business to just passion project. This is like their passion project, uh, and they work for companies around the world. Uh, We have people from around the world from many different countries. And Sharknado adds he's just here to troll. Uh, Respect to that. Well, yeah, come join us. And uh, if you're also interested in Boink and you want to learn more about Boink, check out the Boink Network Discord. A bunch of us from Gridcoin also support Boink. A bunch of us came from Boink first because Boink is very old. Boink came out in like early 2000s and cryptocurrency didn't even start until 2008. So, uh, so check out the Boink Network Discord and the Boink Radio podcast, which is you can catch at boink.network uh, and you can catch this podcast again at gridcoin.science or you can catch it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all the fun podcasts, Stitcher, whatever whatever you listen to, you can listen to us. On. Uh, and we will be moving into some more topics 
moving forward next week we're going to dive into gridcoin a little more talk about some of the really cool stuff that uh developers over the years have built because again one of the coolest or yeah again one of the cool things about open source is anyone can come and go contribute and leave and and then come back later so there's dozens of people that have worked on the gridcoin protocol uh and lots of really cool things that have been built over the years so we'll talk about those a little bit we'll talk about some of the some roadmap items that people are dreaming about building um, and then from there, we'll move forward and just talk about some cool things. Why not? Cool. Anyone have any thoughts they want to wrap up with? All right. Then we will catch you next week, January 9th, 8 p.m. EST, here on the Gridcoin Discord server. You can catch the link to the Discord server in the description below. Thanks for listening. Thanks to everyone for participating in the text chat and for your friendly host for talking. Uh, see you. See you next week.